Welcome to VSI, Variation, Selection, Inheritance, a podcast production of the National Science Foundation's Beacon Center for the Study of Evolution in Action. I'm Randall Hayes. Both The Daily Show and The Colbert Report, the Scylla and Charybdis of current American satire, have been crushingly funny this week, talking about science of all things gnashing their titanic teeth about why humans in general, and Americans in particular, are so hostile to science. The answer's pretty clear. It's because science tells us things that we don't want to hear. Pretty much everyone agrees that this is bad. But let's look at that idea through an evolutionary lens for just a minute. How could a stubborn resistance to factual information be adaptive? After all, as Barbara Oakley said a couple weeks ago, if you're an engineer and your theory is wrong, the plane you build crashes and everybody dies. And the answer to that is equally clear. You can't negotiate with gravity. But you can negotiate with other humans. And being stubborn is definitely an advantage at the negotiating table. In her earlier book, Evil Genes, Barbara described how psychopaths and people with less severe borderline personality disorders simply refuse to lose in the argument realm. Their families, who have to live with that kind of behavior day after day, actually begin to doubt the facts and to doubt their own sanity. And the psycho gets away with it. The psycho gets to do whatever he wants. At least until he runs into another psycho and they kill each other. This kind of uh, reality distortion uh, is not always bad, even. The same week, John Stewart interviewed Walter Isaacson, who wrote the already best-selling biography Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was one of those guys who had trained himself to stare people down until they did what he wanted, although he generally used his powers for good and not evil. People at Apple called it a reality distortion field, when he would tell people to do something that they thought was impossible, and then suddenly they could do it. Let's not quibble over the definition of reality. Let's just, instead acknowledge that a resistance to conflicting information, whether that's true information or false information, could be a powerful social adaptation. Not for dealing with reality, but for dealing with humans, every one of whom is carrying around a slightly different virtual reality inside his or her skull. One of the last things that I talked about with Barbara Oakley was what it's like to live in a society that has a shared virtual reality. I think one of the most valuable experiences I've ever had was working on the trawlers and realizing that everybody around me truly believed that communism was the best system on earth. And and I'll give you an example. I, uh, one night we're all kind of tipsy, which is what you do on Soviet trawlers, is drink a lot. So, um, but my captain had this big picture of Stalin on his wall. 
And finally that night, I just couldn't take him more. I pointed to the picture and I said, Yuri Vasilich, why do you have this big picture of Stalin on your wall? Don't you realize he was responsible for the deaths of over 20 million Russians? And he just looked at me and he smiled and he said, Barbara, everybody makes mistakes. When the whole world is communist, we will not have these kinds of mistakes. And he truly believed it. Everybody on the trawlers believed that that the United States was this evil place where it was just horrible and everybody lived in this, you know, uh, greedy capitalist, you know, horrible thing. And it was their own system was so much better. And yet they were terrified that, I mean, I could see the decay of the Soviet empire all around me. There was... Everything they had was poor quality, if they could even get something, because mostly they couldn't get something. And and they were terrified that somebody from the KGB could take them out and, you know, and kill them for saying the wrong thing, that they would disappear if they said the wrong thing. I'm looking at this loathsome system with so many extraordinary problems, and they were completely oblivious to it, and and were mostly... We really have the best system in the world because they'd never been exposed to anything different as far as their thoughts go. So what that told well, I remember me, when the when they talked about having brought over uh, defectors and you know captive Russian fighter pilots and things like that, that in some cases when they took them on tours or when they put them into witness protection type programs and and let them go live somewhere that the Russians had real trouble believing that this was not some sort of Truman Show managed propaganda experience. Oh, yeah. That, that no, no, you're really living in Omaha, and yep. it's really pretty nice. Yep. And, and so what that taught me was everybody can believe the same thing with incredible power and be dead wrong. That's... To have that experience, you can hear it, you can intellectually understand that that can happen, but until you actually viscerally have that happen to you, it's difficult to apply that to your everyday life. Now, I am in no way saying that American society does not have its own shared delusions. It definitely does, like the idea that money is a real thing and not something that we just made up as a convenience. What I'm pointing out is how difficult it is for humans to see outside their own bubbles unless they have a lot of practice at imagining what it's like in other worlds. That's one of the reasons I like science fiction and fantasy authors. They're always playing that what-if game. But that leads us to another interesting question. If, If humans tend to be resistant to arguments and facts, how do you generate a shared virtual reality? This relates to the idea of, for example, emotional contagion. If you're if you're much more interested in you know what other people think, um, you are. Uh, there's good evidence that if you're more empathetic, you are very much influenced by whatever what other people think and you are completely oblivious to it. You think it's you that's coming up with this, but it's not. It's the contagion.
attention you've got because you're so empathic with other people. So, emotions are good for something after all. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. BSI is produced by me, Randall Hayes, at North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University with funding from the National Science Foundation. Thanks for listening.